everyone, and welcome back to Classic Vinyl Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Justin. I'm sitting here beside my other host, Tyler. How are you doing today, Tyler? I am thrilled to be here. I've missed our listeners, uh, and it hasn't even been that long since I've seen you or heard you guys or you've heard me. Today, we're going to review... An the, excellent album. Yeah, the <laughs> debut album from the Jimi Hendrix Experience, Are You yeah. Experienced? Are You Experienced, Jimmy? And I know we're going to go through a lot of things and... You'll probably hear me at least say quite a bit, oh, that's an excellent guitar intro and that's mm-hmm. an excellent guitar solo. And that pretty much goes on every song, <laughs> even if it's not a great song. But, you know, there is a reason these considered by many to be the greatest guitar player of all time. And mm-hmm. not to mention, not a bad songwriter either. No, and I think that's all because he must have sold his soul to the devil and died at the age of 27. Well, that could be the case. That's a theory. <laughs> so you think because he's in the 27 Club, that's that's exactly what happened, huh? I would not be surprised if, I mean, of, of all of the people in the 27 Club, uh, Jimi Hendrix has the most talent. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, he's I'm gifted. A, I'm a huge Jim Morrison fan, right? Yeah. But Jim Morrison, his talent was in being crazy and writing excellent lyrics. Yeah, he's an excellent lyricist, right? But, yeah, and Jimi Hendrix isn't the best singer in the world, but it fits his music perfectly. He so fits his music. Yeah, and I mean, we all know about his guitar playing and his songwriting, (laughs) so. He is the master guitarist. I I challenge anybody. He's the standard by which all other guitarists are measured. Yeah. I challenge anybody. I 100% agree. So let's let's get into a little history of Jimi Hendrix and the experience. Uh-huh. Um, so Jimi Hendrix from Seattle, Washington, but you know, as a struggling musician, he was over in England by May of '66. You know, he was back and forth on the R&B circuit and just wasn't making ends meet. Couldn't make any money. Luckily and famously, he did meet Keith Richards at a club, and they became pretty good friends. Uh, so it was Keith Richards, not the devil. That uh, well, Keith Richards was in London. Uh, the devil was down Louisiana. Some people wouldn't discern any difference there, but it's hard to say. Some, yeah, some people wouldn't. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> but it was Keith who introduced him to a gentleman named Chas Chandler mm-hmm. who wanted to manage and produce artists, so he was really interested in Jimi Hendrix after hearing his cover of Hey Joe. And so he brought mm-hmm. him to London and signed him to just kind of a short, uh, I guess, production contract. Okay, so so where did the other members of the experience, or yeah, come from? Um, basically, Chas Chandler helped him meet up with him, and and okay, so, so so Chas Chandler kind of cobbled this group together a little bit. Jimmy knew them, but I think he kind of signed off on it as well. So right. they brought in bass guitarist Noel Redding and drummer Mitch Mitchell, which formed the Power Trio. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the earliest Power Trios, and what a great example of that I'll they say. are. Yeah. Um. And they eventually, and that's when they formed the Jimi Hendrix Experience, but they eventually were signed by Kit Lambert and Chris Stamp, who happened to be the Who's uh, managers at the time, and they had uh, started a record label called Track Records. So in October of 1966, they actually signed Jimi Hendrix Experience to Track Records. And, you know, so they started touring London, playing a lot of the clubs and things like that, and they famously played at the Bag of Nails nightclub where... Many a famous musician saw them and were basically stunned and blown away by Jimi Hendrix, you know, his ability to play and sing and mm-hmm. perform. And a lot of those 
you know, artists that have seen him were Eric Clapton, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Jeff Beck, Pete Townsend, Mick Jagger, Brian Jones. I mean, the who's who of not only English music, but the who's who of... Of the who. Of the who. <laughs> of music in general, yeah. right? Uh-huh. You know, the first single they released was Hey Joe in the UK, and it actually had Stone Free as the B-side, and it reached number six um, on the charts in the UK. And then in March of 67, they released Purple Haze that had The Wind Cries Mary as the B-side, and it reached number six as well. Um, and, you know, this this album we're going to review tonight, Are You Experienced? It's it's highly considered one of the best debut albums of all time. And, and you know it's neat, out of the 11 original tracks, at least on the U.S. album, which is highly different than the U.K. album, which was a kind of a common thing, and I don't know why they did that, but... The U.S. album is far superior to the U.K. album. You know what's weird is that the U.S. album's the one throwing the unnecessary extra, like, E and stuff in there that the, the U.K.'s notorious for. In the in the words, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. It's, it's kind of an interesting situation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, their second album they released was Axis Bold as Love. It reached number five in the U.K., number three in the U.S., and then their third album was Electric Ladyland, which reached number six in the UK and number one in the US. They did so, number I mean, that, one. Yeah, that was their only number one album in the US. And, you know, Paul McCartney has suggested to the uh, Monterey Pop Festival organizers that Jimi Hendrix play, and that was something that really launched him off. That's a really cool thing because when it comes to like festival or um, like uh, big outdoor concerts, uh, venues uh performers this band just sounds like they really would rock out and be so good i mean just kind of the iconic band of the festival right yeah and you know they that really led to them you know their stardom it really did paul mccartney has suggested them to the monterey pop festival organizers and that's where jimmy really hit it with the american audience you know he famously lit his guitar on fire and burned it on stage there's many a picture of those online that that guitar should never make any sound ever (laughs) again it was so awesome yeah (laughs) and you know that led to bookings for him to play for Big Brother and the Holding Company, which is Janis Joplin and her band, yeah, Jefferson Airplane, and then they eventually, you know, open up for the Monkees, but not for very long until they were headliners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and of course in 1969, the famous festival he played at in August of 69 was Woodstock, and by that time, Jimi Hendrix was the highest paid musician in rock and roll. Oh, really? Yeah, and but of course at that time he had broken up from the experience and he had started a new band called the band of gypsies and you know they're who played with him there at woodstock and that's where he played you know the famous star spangled banner right Mm -hmm. with all the distortion and sustain and feedback which is i think everyone knows yeah you 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 know this even if you don't know it i mean this is such an iconic thing that Jimi hendrix wailing on a guitar the star spangled banner it's awesome and there's been many of artists try to duplicate it. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to play the guitar the way Jimmy did, and that was not um, orthodox. <laughs> well, certainly not orthodox. I mean, the fact that he was left-handed mm-hmm. and he played, you know, a right-hand guitar strung upside down, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so completely self-taught. And, I mean, we could get into millions of things about Jimi Hendrix, and I'm certainly not a Jimi Hendrix aficionado, I know his studio albums. I know a lot of his live stuff, but 
there's so much to cover with him that the more I learn about Jimi Hendrix, the more I want to learn about him. He's just a really cool guy. Yeah, he he is a cool guy, and he you know we're lucky that we got what we did out of him. I mean, three mm-hmm. albums with the Experience, and then he did one album with yeah. the Band of Gypsies. Mm-hmm. So within four years, four short years, and four albums, you know, he sold over 110 million albums worldwide. Mm-hmm. And of course, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And of course, he joined the you know 27 Club on September 18th of 1970, where he died of you know asphyxia. Mm-hmm. Officially asphyxia while intoxicated with barbiturates. Well, that'll impede your ability to breathe. Yes, it will a little bit. So, anyways, is it time to get the album? I think we should uh, spin this record. It's not time to spin the record yet. No, we've got to talk about the album a little bit. Okay, let's get to the album. Okay, okay, so it's time to get to the album. Here's a few details on the album. Of course, it was their debut studio album. It was released on May 12th of 1967. Uh, funny enough, it wasn't released in the U.S. until August 23rd. So almost, what would that be? Like three, three months? months like, yeah. Kind of strange. I, and I, I don't mm-hmm. know why, but in both the U.K. and the U.S., it was an immediate critical and commercial success, which isn't always the case with debut albums. You know? No, that's actually pretty rare. So this album was recorded over several months, all in London, but at three separate studios, Olympic Studios, which we've spoke about before, Delane Leah Studios, and CBS Studios. whole album is recorded in four-track, and it was uh, produced by Chas Chandler. He had produced The Animals, another band called Slade, among some others. This album reached number two in the UK charts, which is pretty damn good for a debut album. Yeah. And number five in the U.S. charts, kind of a funny little factoid, although it reached number two in the charts in the U.K., Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by the Beatles, it's what kept it out of number one. Oh. (laughs) So it was released that same summer. And so, funny enough, if it was released at a separate time, it probably would have hit number one in the U.K. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And... You know, the album cover's kind of interesting, too. You know, you had three months in between. Jimi Hendrix was not happy with the album cover they released on the U.K. version, which isn't the only thing different about the album, but the the U.K. version's just kind of a black cover with a picture of all three band members, Mm -hmm. and it just says, you know, the Jimi Hendrix experience, are you experienced? And it's kind of in a rounded font. Well, Jimi Hendrix Mm -hmm. wanted it to be more psychedelic, and so most people know the U.S. version, which is a bright yellow, and it's got psychedelic font all over the front of it. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a lot flashier album. So when that yeah. did come out in August in the U.S., that was the album cover here. Um, as far as the album, it sold over 9 million copies worldwide. Um, you know, it spurred three hit singles off the album. Sort of. In the U.S. it did. Uh, That's really cool. I mean, <laughs> to have three... Uh, Hit singles off of one album, yeah. your debut album. Well, yeah. exactly. So Purple Haze, Hey Joe, and The Wind Cries Mary, those mm-hmm. were the three hit singles. Uh, Rolling Stone rates this pretty high in their top 500 albums of all time at number 30. That's pretty fair. I, uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, that's a good solid place. Uh, it. Yeah, it is. And, you know, there's actually Rolling Stone also has four songs off this album ranked in their top 500 songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's Purple Haze, Foxy Lady, Hey Joe and The Wind Cries Mary. So those are the four songs in the top 500. That's pretty decent off one album. Yeah, I'll say. So getting down to the differences, you know, that the covers were obviously different from the UK mm-hmm. to the US, but the track listing is completely different. 
So, number one, Foxy Lady, when you were talking about the extra E, yeah, we actually spell it with the extra E in the U.S. That's surprising, because usually it's the U.K. that's throwing in the unnecessary extra vowels. Yeah, they usually do, like in color. Yeah, or, there's an extra uh, U. Yeah, <laughs> but in the U.S., it actually was F-O-X-E-Y, and in, uh-huh. in uh, the U.K., it was, you know, they left the E out. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, that that was different. Then you've got Red House, Can You See Me, and Remember are three songs on the U.K. version, but they're not on the the U.S. version. And then you've got Purple Haze, Hey Joe, and The Wind Cries Mary, which are on the U.S. version, and they were not on the U.K. version because they were the singles off the album, which was kind of a weird thing. And we've seen that with the Beatles and stuff. They'd release Mm -hmm. singles, and then those singles wouldn't be on the album. Though including those three singles on the U.S. album is what makes the U.S. album much much stronger, and of course that's the album we're reviewing tonight. Yeah, well that that's why the other songs were not familiar to me. <laughs> yeah, and, and there are several bonus tracks that have been included on this album when they did the 1997 reissue, but we're not going to cover those. We're just going to cover the original U.S. album, and mm. we'll go from there. So it's time to spin this record. Let's right. get it going. So here's side one. So first song, Purple Haze. So what are your thoughts on this? Um, you know, this song, is it's kind of interesting because I'm not that familiar with Jimi Hendrix, and yet at the same time, I'm more familiar than I, I realize I am. Because I know this song. I just, uh, you know, a lot of the times I'm realizing I don't necessarily know the songs by their titles. But this is, a, what, what I wrote down is that this song is a cornucopia of sound. And that's something that you're going to kind of see as a theme throughout the whole album is that Jimi Hendrix really takes sound and bends it and you plays with it and uses it very rich uh, audio in this. Well, I, w- I would think Purple Haze is probably, if not the mm-hmm. most, at least one of the most recognizable Jimi Hendrix songs. It's, yeah. it's got one of the most classic guitar intros. Mm hmm that there is out there. And and I can say that about almost every one of his songs, you know, Mm -hmm. in fact, it's got a little confusing lyric because forever I thought it was, excuse me while I kiss this guy. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know it was, excuse me while I kiss the sky, but it took me a few years to get that one over. But so this song, you know, it's written by Jimi Hendrix. And you know, Mm -hmm. that's another thing about this album is out of the 11 songs, 10 of the 11 songs were written by Jimi Hendrix. The only one that wasn't is Hey Joe, but he put his own spin on it and made that song beautiful. So, (laughs) but getting back to Purple Haze, you know, Rolling Stone ranked this as the number two best guitar song of all time. They've got all kinds of lists. So we pull out these factoids. I, I think that's fair. This is beautiful guitar work by Jimi. It is, and and Rolling Stone also ranks this as the seventeenth best song of all time on their top five hundred. So, it you know you know fair sure. Yeah, I th- I think it's fair. I think this epitomizes you know the Jimi Hendrix experience and the Jimi Hendrix sound without a doubt. And you know they released this song as a single uh, in March of sixty seven in the UK. And not until June of sixty seven in the US. So I don't know. We had these three, three month delays, behind, but they? yeah. Uh, they actually released it in the U.S. a day after the Monterey Pop Festival was held. So so he had uh, kind of <laughs> hit it big, and here's his song, right? So, And all of a sudden, he's selling out. Well, yeah, but the song didn't do well in the U.S. Oh, really? It, you know, I mean, it reached number three in the U.K. on the singles chart, but only reached number 65 in the U.S. Wow. 
And I would think that's probably because he was relatively unknown at the time, right? Yeah, I guess so. You know, the Monterey Pop Festival really catapulted him into stardom, but I don't think it was quite the next day, right? Maybe the only people that knew him in the U.S. that knew his attempt at R&B. Might have been. It's hard to say. But, you know, 51st anniversary of the song was the B-side in the U.K., and The Wind Cries Mary was the B-side in the U.S., which Mm -hmm. is a pretty strong A and B-side. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix says a lot of his songs were possibly written from dreams he's had, and he's said in the past that this one was. You know, he says it's basically about a guy that's in love with a girl, and that love has driven him into a haze. You know, he doesn't know what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people thought this was a drug-related song. Jimi Hendrix says it's not. No, he's more of a romantic. Uh, that's something that I noticed in this album all throughout is that he, he writes a lot of love songs. Yeah, there there is a lot of love songs written by him that, I mean, as far as when you get to the lyrics. But I don't know what you can really say about this song. It, to me, it's the most recognizable song. I'm sure it's probably the most radio played song, at yeah. least what I hear. The intros, the guitar work throughout, it's just, everything's amazing about this song. It's probably the song. It, I love the song, but I probably do skip it every once in a while just because it's played so often. What I have about this song is that it's shorter than I thought it was. Yeah, it's a short song. It, I, I thought that this song would go another minute, but it didn't. And, uh, you know, I, I don't feel bad about it. It left me wanting more of it. Yeah, it's a good song. It it would be neat to hear. You know, I know some of the live versions you've done, it's drawn out, and and the guitar work on those live versions is amazing. As all bands do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, great song. There's really not a lot we can say about it, and I'm sure you've heard the song, and just an amazing song all Mm -hmm. the way around. So we go to the second song, Manic Depression. Another song written by Jimi Hendrix. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got some cool jazz drumming by Mitch Mitchell on it that... yeah. Is kind of interesting in it, you know, as being a kind of a heavy blues rocker. Something that I've noticed with this band is that I I have a hard time picking out the bass line. And I think that's probably to their credit because it's so seamless. But this song, what really stands out to me is the guitar and the uh, showcasing of the drums. Well, and if I was to say, I kind of have the same feeling. The bass is sometimes hard to pick out. It's definitely over you know, overridden with the guitar. Sometimes I think the drums are a little trebly and high, mm-hmm. little hi-hat, you know. It would, yeah. I'd like to hear a little more bass drum in there, but, mm-hmm. I mean, these songs definitely, definitely put the guitar to the forefront. There's yeah. no doubt about that. And Jimi Hendrix, like we said, he's not the best singer in the world, mm-hmm. but he's the perfect singer for these songs. I couldn't imagine yeah. someone else singing them. And yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't have a bad voice. He's got a very clear, uh, clean voice and he sings along to his instruments very competently. Yeah. I mean, he's a competent yeah. songwriter. I mm-hmm. mean, competence is the wrong way to put it. He's an excellent songwriter. Yeah. He's a competent singer and <laughs> he's an absolutely amazing guitar player. Absolutely. You know, this song is, he, you know, he sings about despair and confusion mm-hmm. about the world some people think he's singing about a bipolar disorder or something mm-hmm. like that, or the meaning of love and death. You know, I, I think it's just kind of a, the way I take the lyrics is that it is about despair in the world, you know, and finding your place. Yeah, I think that's fair. One thing that I noticed is that the the title, Manic Depression, this uh, mental disorder doesn't really roll off the tongue. It's it, it's kind of choppy to hear him hear him 
sing out manic depression. Yeah, and another thing I noticed, you said you don't really notice the bass work as much, and I agree, mm-hmm. but in this song, the bass is pretty pretty prominent during the um, chorus and yeah. stuff. So, you know, it's it's not too bad of work they've done on this. It's got... It's got some really intense instrumentals. In fact, I, I think this song would have been a really good just instrumental song. Yeah, it's got really good climactic guitar yeah. in it. Like it, mm-hmm. it leads up to the solo in the middle, and it it's and then it does it again at the end. But it's got an amazing guitar solo in the middle. I really like the way it just kind of has a crazy drumming at the end. The drumming's mm-hmm. really good at the end, and the way yeah. it just kind of got a crazy mm-hmm. ending. It doesn't fade, which if you know, like I've told you many a times, I don't really like mm-hmm. songs that fade that well. I like the way this song ends. I don't know. It just. It just really shows his guitar work, and I think if you put yourself in the times, this was completely different than anything being released. You know, if you compare this album to Sgt. Pepper's, for example, that we were talking about earlier, Sgt. Pepper's was a masterpiece of studio work, right? This is a masterpiece of one instrument leading the whole thing and doing things that it people hadn't really heard before. This is like uh, seeing. Um, what three acrobats do a performance where they're all supporting this one major star of the show. It's, it's really fun to listen to it. Yeah. It's just really interesting because it's gotta be, this had to be like a culture shock or shock to your system to hear this album, because this is different than anything else out there. And it's all guitar driven, obviously. And it's just amazing. And for, for the time, this is exactly what people wanted. This was like just kind of the pinnacle of the rock and roll move era. Yeah. So excellent song. So mm-hmm. we move on to the third song of the album, which is the only song that is a cover written by, well, it was written sometime in the fifties, but somehow it was published by Billy Roberts in 1962. I don't know all the history behind the song, but I do know that, you know, it's about a man on the run, you mm-hmm. know, planning to head to Mexico because he's just shot his unfaithful wife, right? Ah, I assume as one does. Yeah. yeah, I assume she's dead, but they don't really say that. Yeah, he didn't wait around to find out. He, no, he just yeah. shot her. Yeah, he shot her, and now he's running yeah. to Mexico. You know, Jimmy put a new spin on this. I've heard some of the other versions, mm-hmm. and they're nothing like this. I have heard Deep Purple's version, which is pretty good, but it's really, really slow and different. Mm-hmm. But when Jimmy released this, it did hit number six in the charts in the UK in January of 67. And it was also the B-side to the song 51st Anniversary when it was released in the US, but that did not chart at all. This song is ranked 201st on the Rolling Mm -hmm. Stone Top 500 Songs. And another little note is it was the final song he used to close out the Woodstock Festival in 1969. You know, I, I wrote down on here that this song sounds like Woodstock. Like when you think of the Woodstock Festival... This is the song that you hear in the background. It's kind of a theme music. Well, they wanted more from him. Yeah. And you wanted an encore. And this is the song he played as as the encore and what he used to, you know, finish out the festivals. I don't know how many people heard it and how many of them were still conscious, but (laughs) at least he played it, right? Yeah. I, I find that the instruments really drown out the vocals in this song specifically. They do a little bit. And I, you know, I really love the intro on this. You know, you say they drown out the vocals, but as I was listening to the vocals, I was thinking, you know, Hendrix isn't the best singer in the world by any means, but he's perfect for this. And it, it, I don't know his tone, the way he does everything just fits perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just fits, it just fits the song excellently. 
I just had a hard time picking out what the lyrics were. Um, yeah, and maybe I've listened to it so many times I just know what the lyrics are. I, I don't know, but... I, yeah, I, I should listen to this while reading the lyrics. I gave I, her the gun. I shot her. Yeah, I mean, I I did catch the part of, uh, hey, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's got an excellent... You're going way down south. Well, and it's got an excellent guitar solo in it again. Um, but it's really slow and subdued, kind of a blues, bluesy rock guitar solo. Yeah. But it, I don't know how, when you, when I try to explain Jimi Hendrix, you, you hear the blues, you hear some jazz, you hear rock. That but, R&B influence, right? But it's just Jimi Hendrix. That's really the only yeah. way to explain him fully because mm-hmm. it he's the only one that has a sound, especially at this yeah. time, right? Excellent song. One of my favorite on the album for years. I thought it was his song. I didn't even know it was a cover. And even after hearing some of the other versions, his is so much different that mm-hmm. he completely made it his own. And this is one of my favorite Jimmy's Jimmy Hendrix songs. And I will consider it his, even though it's a cover. Sure. He's a master musician. Yeah. So on song four on side one, love or confusion. This is another song written by Jimi Hendrix. You know, unlike all the other songs on all their albums, they played a lot of them extensively live. And this was only ever played live once that anybody has on tape anywhere. And that was at the BBC studios in 67. So actually predated the release of the album. You know, it's about finding, you know, it's him wondering if he has found love and happiness or just more betrayal and depression, you know, just kind of kind of a love song, but scared yeah. of love. Is he in love with somebody who's in love with him, or is he in love with somebody that doesn't reciprocate? Yeah, it's that yeah. battle uh, between emotion and logic, right? Sure. And it, it is, I wrote down on mine that it's kind of a droning song, because it does kind of have that same beat throughout. It's got a really good intro. I feel like the lyrics are really really good in it you know is it the stars yeah. in the sky or is it a rainbow down you know he, he had it you know as his debut album he had amazing way with lyrics mm-hmm. you know imagery and things and it kind of you know even if it's a love song he he throws in that imagery really well and uh, the message that i take from this song is that you have to get involved and you know try the love and see if it's real love or not and then you'll know but if you don't try, then you never know. Well, and some of the other lyrics I picked up out of it, uh, must there always be these colors without names, without sounds? Is this love, baby, or is it just confusion? So, I mean, that kind of says what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. He's, I think it's just a young man that really doesn't know, you know. Is, He's in his 20s. He's you know, had some frustration. Yeah, is this going to be the love yeah. of my life, or is this going to screw my life up? You yeah, know, But getting sure. back to the music... You know, it's got an amazing crunchy guitar solo in it again yeah. that, that I love. I think I said before, the mm-hmm. intro is great. It's it's a good song. He's got a really good style, and he has a wide range of sounds that he plays with. Yeah, this song, for me, probably wouldn't fit in the top half of my favorite songs because it drones mm-hmm. on a little bit. But I, I love the imagery of the lyrics, and I love the guitar solo in this. And it, it's just yeah. a good Jimi Hendrix song. It's not a bad song at all. I'm just impressed at the kind of sounds that he can draw from that instrument that so many people have played. Nobody's been able to pull those sounds like he has. He he certainly invented a new way of playing guitar. Yes, There's no did. doubt about that. And everybody that copies him is just copying him now. You know, is what it is. Okay, so we move on to 
May This Be Love, another love song. Another one written by Jimi Hendrix. This is a very soft ballad love song. Very different from a lot of the other songs on the album. It, very different. Yeah, yeah, it's got a very subdued guitar. Kind of but dr- it's still amazing. It, the, it is, yeah. but it's kind of drum driven, and it the yeah. drums sound almost like bongos in it. Maybe yeah, they are. I don't. I don't know. It could be. Yeah, and it's got. He's got a really soft vocal in this. Kind of got a little bit of reverb or echo or something on it. It's just kind of yeah. uh, almost background sounding and. And like you said, it does have good guitar work in it, but it's a really easygoing guitar solo. You know, yeah. not it, this doesn't really fit in with some of the other stuff. No, he he's not wailing on his guitar like he normally does. He's playing it, playing it extremely well. Uh, this song, because the guitar is so subdued, it's the easiest song on the album to understand the lyrics. Uh, especially, you know, me, my first time listening to this song, I, I could understand this song better than any other song. You know, the funny thing is, and I know we've said it, a, you know, a bunch of times, is sometimes songs don't fit in. There's kind of that fine line you've got to have. You know, yeah. you want songs to be different. You don't want every song exactly. to sound the, the yeah. same. But, you know, I know we spoke last week on the Guess Who episode. Of some of the songs were so far off that it it just didn't make sense. It was almost Mm -hmm. like a different kind of music. This song falls, for me anyways, falls in the category of an excellent song that's different, but it's more of a palate cleanser after having some guitar, heavier Mm -hmm. guitar-driven songs. And then hearing this to be just kind of a subdued love song, it's got a really good instrumental at the ending, Mm -hmm. just really soft guitar and sounds good, but it it really fits in with the theme of the album to me. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit on the fringe of the 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 spectrum of the album, but it's not so far out there that you're like, what is this? Well, and yeah. you know, and that's why I don't want to get confusing to people. Say, well, sometimes you're saying that this isn't anything alike and it sucks, and other times you're saying it's nothing alike and it fits in. But I don't even know what I mean by that. But I know when something sounds out of place and when something just sounds like a different approach on an album, you know, or we've said many times palate cleansers to just kind of break up some different types. And Mm -hmm. that's what this one feels like to me. It's not a skipper song for me. It's a good song and it's just good to hear something a little different, but not way out in left field. Right. No. And it's a really uh, sweet love song. I mean, it's, it's what you want a love song to be. He has this line in there. It says, you know, let people laugh at me as long as I have you. you yeah. Know, he, he doesn't, he, that's kind of the beauty of, of love is that nothing else matters when you're in love. It, you know, the big, the big importance is the person that you're with. A really good song. Yeah. Really. I, so we move on to the last song on side one called I Don't Live Today. This is another song written by Jimi Hendrix. And, mm-hmm. you know, because Hendrix did have a Cherokee heritage, I don't, I don't know what. I just know he did. I don't know if he was quarter Cherokee or eighth or. Seems like the Cherokee Nation will take just about anybody. Well, maybe yeah. we ought to sign up. I, I'm gonna. So he's written this song about you know he kind of dedicated this to the American Indians, or we should mm-hmm. say the Native Americans. That's what Jimi Hendrix had said was American Indians and minority groups of all kinds, right? Yeah. Just how how hard it was to live as a minority essentially and you know him i don't think people looked at Jimi hendrix as part indian but obviously as being a black man yeah he knew what living as a minority mm-hmm. was like you know well and under uh, and a uh what and living under what a pressure oppressive exterior force 
Yeah. Because that's kind of what this song is really uh, driving home, I feel. Is, you know, he says, well, maybe things will be better tomorrow, but right now things suck. Um, and that's, you know, when he says, I don't live today, maybe I'll live tomorrow. Hopefully tomorrow will bring better things. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a hopeful song, right? Yeah, like it, he's a, it's kind of like a, a song that's just expressing it. it's a shame to waste time like this, but when you're being acted upon by an expressive, oppressive exterior forces, there's not much of an option for you. You just kind of have to deal with it. Yeah, so we kind of know what the lyrics are about. As far as the song, I mm-hmm. I really don't like the drum intro on this. Later in the song, the drums are good. Like in the middle, I really like them. But at first, when the drums open up, I don't really like that. Then it kicks into the guitar, and the guitar is really excellent. Of course. Uh, Yeah, and during (laughs) the chorus, the guitar is excellent. It, You know, you get towards the end of the song, it has a false ending, and then it kicks back in again. And then it kind of has like a crazy guitar feedback thing going on with distortion and then another false ending, and then it kicks off again. It's just kind of kind of crazy at the end and i yeah. do like i don't really care for this song lyrically as much just because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to fit but aside it, from the intro i really yeah. like the song musically this song doesn't really the lyrics don't resonate so well with the white man <laughs> and i guess that because we're the oppressive force well but maybe yeah. maybe they should you know maybe yeah. we should pay attention to them and we when should, i say i don't yeah. like the lyrics it's not because mm-hmm. of the meaning i i'm just saying it the vocals of it just yeah. don't fit right mm-hmm. you know i mean the meaning of the lyrics are great. You yeah. know, it's, it's mm-hmm. just the vocals don't fit this, the music to me. So that, that's pretty much it. So now we flip the vinyl over to side two, and we open up with an excellent song, The Wind Cries Mary. Another slow song. It really is a slow song, yeah. and it, it is another love song in a way, too. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, another song written by Jimi Hendrix, and like I said, he wrote all the songs on here except yeah. Hey Joe. It's actually a reconciliation song about him making up with his then-girlfriend, Kathy Etchingham. Apparently, they said it had some kind of argument the night before over lumpy potatoes. I guess she didn't make the potatoes <laughs> right, and, you know, that pissed him off. And, he prefers them creamy and smooth. <laughs> I, I'm guessing so. And then, of course, you've got part of it. Part of the song is taken from a poem from a previous girlfriend or a poem he had written about a previous girlfriend when he lived in Seattle. Uh, the part that says somewhere a queen is weeping somewhere. A king has no wife. Um, that part was taken from that poem. They released this as a single in the UK with highway child as the B side. It reached number six. Uh, it was the B side of purple haze in the U S which didn't do very well. Um, Mm. but rolling, this is another one of the songs that rolling stone ranked in the top 500 and they ranked it at 379. It's been covered Mm. by a lot of artists. I really, there isn't much I don't like about this song. I I think the lyrics are amazing. They've got great imagery. It's Mm. got a good soft intro. It's got a good slow guitar. Got a nice beat. Uh, it's got really good rhythm. It's a sweet and smooth song. Yeah, the lyrics to me are very visual in it. You yeah. know, the traffic lights, they turn blue tomorrow. You know, I, I don't know. I really enjoy, this is probably my favorite song lyrically. And it, it's kind of a slow, bluesy rock style. I don't even know how to explain the style. The, the guitar solo in the middle, although it's slow and not a, mm-hmm. you know, what you would call a Hendrix signature guitar solo, it's still excellent. <laughs> The only word that comes to my mind is jazz, but it's not a jazz song. This it's it's slow and smooth like jazz, 
but it's it doesn't sound like jazz. It's kind of a jazz beat to a blues song yeah. in a way, but but then it's got the rock feel. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I I really enjoy this song, and I'll be completely honest, and we'll get to this at the end. But this is one of my favorite Jimi Hendrix songs. I really enjoy this because all all the way around the lyrics, the imagery, the the vocals are great in it. The the speed and the musicianship of the song. It's just a good song. It's always been one of my favorites. And, and it's certainly a song. If I hear come on the radio, I don't skip this song. I love it. Great song. So we move on to the next song, uh, fire, uh, another very, very famous Jimi Hendrix song. Mm -hmm. It's got another great intro. I mean, he's the master of intros, right? Yes, he is. It's got an amazing guitar intro. It's got amazing drums Mm -hmm. in the intro. Another song written by Jimi Hendrix, of course. You know, a lot of people thought of this song as being very sexual, having sexual overtones, but but um, it's aren't all songs are really about sex. Well, eventually <laughs> they are, but you know, they they had asked Jimi Hendrix about that, and you know, it really wasn't. It was simply he was over at Noel Redding's house, you know, his mm-hmm. bass player's house in England on a cold day. And his mother told him to go stand by the fire, right? You know, on a cold winter day, there's nothing more satisfying than that feeling of standing next to the fire. Until your legs are about ready to burn. Exactly. But, you know, you get that you get that part in it when he uh, says, move over, Rover, let Jimmy take over. He gets that because the dog was in front of the fire and he had to make the dog move, you know? And, I like it. you know, funny enough about this is... In England, it was this song was known as "Let Me Light Your Fire." Now, I don't know why they do all this stuff differently and and have to you know it's all these smart people that think they know better and you know we got to do yeah, different things. These are the sort of people who have um, cucumber sandwiches at high tea. It must be, or or they're trying to play off the door success on "Light My Fire." Sure, I, I don't know. You know, it, it's another song that. Like I stated, it has a great guitar intro. It has an amazing guitar solo in the middle. It's it's just an amazing song. You know, and towards, let's see, in the second half of the song, you get, I, I noticed that the music sounds like a roaring fire in a fireplace. Because it, 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 it's going so fast. Yeah, because it rolls and yeah. thunders and, you know, like uh, the crackling uh, with the guitar picking. It, it's It's just... It's really cool how they capture that kind of an image with their sound. Yeah, it, I would say probably next to Purple Haze, you know, if I was to guess, either probably this or All Along the Watchtower are his most recognizable songs. This song is very recognizable. It's been covered by a ton mm-hmm. of artists. You know, Red Hot Chili Peppers did it, which I didn't like their version. To me, it was too fast. and, and I, I really prefer Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm not familiar enough with any other versions. Jimi Hendrix is really, this is his song. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers anyways. Um, you don't like Flea? Not really. Maybe in Back <laughs> to the Future. Yeah, I didn't like their version. Um, yeah. Alice Cooper did it, and his version was okay, but none of them mm-hmm. hold up to Jimi Hendrix. And there, this is another song is What Can You Really Say About It? it this is Jimi Hendrix to a T. I like Alice Cooper singing Poison. Yeah, I, I prefer the earlier Alice Cooper stuff, but Poison Fair. isn't bad, I guess. Yeah. So, Okay, so we get on to the next song, uh, Third Stone from the Sun. I don't know, maybe they stole that. Remember the TV show Third Rock from the Sun? Yeah. I wonder if probably. they stole that from Jimmy. 
Uh, they might have. Um, now, this is a strange song. So yes, it is. It's mostly instrumental song, and the whole thing was written by Jimmy. Once again, this is a song on the UK album that was called Third Stone from the Sun, but they actually put, you know... The numeral three? The numeral three, where on the US version, oh. third was spelled out, which is kind of weird. It's kind of a... It's a real jazzy mm-hmm. song. You know, people, yes, it is. people say it's psychedelic. I don't hear any psychedelic sound in it. It's jazz to me. No, it's it's very much... Uh, there's a lot of sounds going on, and uh, so many sounds that it makes me wonder, like, is... Jimmy making these noises with his voice or is he using like a track where he's got some vocals slowed down? Cause I, I mean, that's what it sounds like is slowed down vocals, but yeah. it could also just be somebody going. Well, when it opens up, it's got that weird jazz intro, which, yeah. you know, I actually enjoy jazz music. I do, <laughs> but I don't listen to Jimi Hendrix because I For want jazz. to hear jazz music. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's really funny is, it starts with that goofy jazz intro and then it's mm-hmm. got that subdued talking or sound or whatever. And that's when you turn to me and give me the look like, what in the hell is this? Well, there's a ton of noise bending in this. Song. I think you thought I changed the album. Well, I, I was just like, this is, I mean, it's strange because this is an amazing use of sounds in this song. Okay. And they melt together, but it, this sounds really psychedelic. I don't really, I don't really feel psychedelic with this song. But it's like looking through a kaleidoscope, or rather listening to a kaleidoscope, how you turn it and spin it, and all those shapes and and colors start to blend and meld together. Sounds really psychedelic, but it's not... It's still jazz. It's 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 jazz, jazz. yeah. It's got the weird talking throughout, and you don't hear Mm -hmm. a lot of the spoken sections. I did hear him say, never hear surf music again. I don't don't know what that was about. What did he have against the Beach Boys? I I don't know. You know, it was really strange. Another thing about this song, a little fact, Mm -hmm. is it was mono on the UK album but stereo on the U.S. album. And on there's an extra line on the U.K. album, which is War Must Be War. Now, when they say, I have not heard that one, the U.K. version. So when they say there was an extra line, I'm a little confused because I didn't hear very many lines on this to it, begin it with. It might have been in there for all I, can, for all I could understand. Yeah, that. to me, out of all the songs on this album, this is definitely a skipper. Yeah. For me, it, this, this one... This album wouldn't have been any the worse without this song. Now, I do know a lot of a lot of artists have mm-hmm. covered the guitar melody and and you sampled it in their songs and things and you know, I didn't really pay enough attention to that. I just didn't enjoy it as a song very well. Yeah, it might be that the earth is on an acid trip. Third stone from the sun is completely stoned. Uh something I did really like about this song is the uh percussion at the end that it sounds like a train going over tracks and it's like a very, it gives you that imagery of like that time will continue to go on whether or not you're on board or not. I mean, it's just kind of, it's, it's really good imagery to have that when time stops for nobody. Well, and Jimi Hendrix was really into science fiction, right? Into the universe and things uh, that like makes that. Sense. It so, sounds like it. <laughs> you know, maybe it's just his exploration of the universe or something. I don't know. It, it was kind of a miss for me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not horrible, but... It, it's not the strongest song on the album. No, I, I'd probably skip it most times. Sure. You know, but I, I wouldn't run to skip it if it was in the background. It just is what it is. Just well, kind of a weak song compared to the rest. Especially looking at the next song that's up i'd skip it 
to get to this next one. Yeah, so Foxy Lady with an E, keep yeah. in mind, because in the U.S. we have an E in Foxy, yeah. which is strange because you would have thought it would be the English yeah, that the put Brits the E. the Brits that are always adding the necessary vowel. So another song, you know, written by Jimi Hendrix. Uh, it was obviously Foxy Lady without the E in the U.K., and this song was inspired by a famous UK model, Heather Taylor. Um, wow. That's who he wrote it about. It's kind of a forward song. And, oh, J- yeah. and Jimmy said he was never that forward. It was more wishful thinking. But Oh, yeah. He, he has a line. He wants to take her home and do her. That's no harm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no harm. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, she did eventually end up marrying someone else famous from the music scene, Mr. Roger Daltrey, the lead singer of The Who. Well, he's a sexy man. He he was. <laughs> he used to go around without it. In fact, he still goes around without his shirt. I saw him mm-hmm. in concert about 10 years ago, and he still doesn't wear a shirt. Yeah, he, he did pretty much the whole movie of Tommy without a shirt on, if I recall right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this was the third single they released in the U.S. It didn't do very well in the U.S., though. It only hit number 67 on the charts, which... Yeah, that's a shame. Well, it is a shame because I think along with Fire, Purple Haze, this yeah. song's right in there as most recognizable songs oh, he yeah. does. Uh, Rolling Stone ranks it as number 153 on the top mm-hmm. 500. I mean, I, I think it's timing of when it was released, yeah. but I mean, these three songs we're talking about that didn't do that well on the U.S. chart. You can hear them on almost any classic rock or rock station nowadays, and most people even don't know it's Jimi Hendrix. Know these songs? They know. They know the opening. You know the opening mm-hmm. intro, which is another amazing intro, right? Mm-hmm. Once again, master of intro it has. I love the guitar throughout this. This is probably my favorite guitar song on the album. Yeah. I I noticed here. In fact, I wrote it down. The guitar on this song is remarkably clean and clear. And this shows that Jimmy is the master guitarist because, I mean, for Jimi Hendrix, like, you know, he brings so many different sounds out of the guitar. But with this song, you don't get like a lot of blending or crackling. It's so crisp. It's so clean. Yeah, he doesn't use a lot of feedback on this song. Yeah, at but all. It, but it, you know, it's definitely quintessential Jimi Hendrix sound. I mean, yeah, this, which that tells me this guy is a master guitarist. Yeah. So another unforgettable intro, another unforgettable mm-hmm. guitar solo, just an amazing song all around. And, and it's, also he's got the perfect voice to accompany his music. Yeah. And I don't know how he does it, but it, it is. It's just perfect. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are perfect. Music's perfect. His you know vocal sound is perfect. And and this song's been covered by a ton of people. You know. Mm-hmm. Booker T and the MGs, The Cure, Paul Rogers, more than I can even list. So amazing song, you know. This song, it's got, this is the song that a a, a woman who knows she looks good is going to be strutting down the street too. She's going to have this song going in her mind while she's strutting down the street. Yeah, excellent song. Excellent. So now we're going to finish out the album with the title track, Are You Experienced? Are you? I uh, may be. Another song written by Jimi Hendrix. Uh, you know, and what's kind of interesting about this song is it's one chord throughout, and it, it's kind of reminiscent of the classical Indian music. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you really get that vibe right at the end, too. Yeah, it, it the song does drone on and on and on, which is, it's kind of odd. I like it, and I don't like it at the same time. You know, it's... Because it's different than, than what you've heard up until this point. Yeah, 
it's just yeah. got that drone throughout, which was different for the time. You know, it's got what I like best about this song is the guitar, backwards guitar and drum solos in the middle. That was really cool. Yeah, it's it's really amazing the way they use that. I'm not, I know Jimmy recorded them. They were trying to record them that way and he went in and I'm not sure the whole story behind it. You know, this, this is a great studio song. Um, I have no idea. I guess you could do that in a concert playing the track backwards. Yeah. And that's something I don't know. I don't know yeah. if they did this live and if they did how, you know, cause at the time guys weren't using tapes and things like mm-hmm. that. They're playing stuff live. So I really yeah. don't know. I'd be interested to know if, you know, they did, did do it live and if they did how it sounded i'll have to search yeah, it out it'd be interesting, it'd be interesting. but it, it's a good song it drones a little bit to me and goes on it's it's not my favorite song in the album uh-huh. it's not the song i you know a but, song i dislike but it just is what it is well th- there's a some really cool things that happen in this song that uh i didn't notice in other songs is that jimmy's voice blends in with his guitar at this one point in the song and i thought that was really cool i, I really like that yeah, he's got some pretty cool vocals in the mm-hmm. song, you know. And one thing I I find interesting because I'm definitely an album listener is I think they would have been better ending the album with Foxy Lady or something mm-hmm. a little more upbeat. You know, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just nitpicking things now, you know. I mean, yeah. uh this song, it's got a more I I think that more so than Foxy Lady, this song has a message that it's trying to convey that is very different. Uh, than I expected to find from this song. Um, and that's the that whole, have you ever been experienced? Uh, have you experienced the world? Has the world ever experienced you? To say, are you experienced? There's, you know, the two sides of that. Have you, have you experienced enough things with the world around you? And then on the flip side, has the world experienced you? I mean, when you look at Jimi Hendrix, the world has experienced Jimi Hendrix, and Jimi Hendrix has experienced the world. Yeah, but maybe not fully at this point. No, I mean, and that's that's fully, the thing. But but yeah. I, but today, yeah. Well, today, the, the world has experienced. It, it, I mean, I I consider this song kind of an exploratory song. Sure. You know? I mean, yeah. What am I going to get from the world, or what is the world going to get from me? It, it it's a good song. I mm-hmm. like I said, I wouldn't skip it, but I don't. It's not the strongest song on it's the not album. Your favorite, yeah. You know, the one thing when we talk about the differences between the UK and the US albums, if we would have reviewed the U. UK album, you know, it's void of Purple Haze, Hey Joe, and The Wind Cries Mary, if not, in my opinion, probably the three strongest songs on the album. I'm surprised the album did so well in the UK without those songs, or maybe it did so well because of those songs being such good hit singles too, you know? So, but it just, I don't know, but they did have Red House, (laughs) which is a really good blues song that was on the album in the UK and that would have been a good addition. I would have liked mm-hmm. to see Red House on the US version, you know, probably instead of Third Stone from the Sun. I think that would have fit a little better, but overall, let's go to winners and losers. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me what your two least favorite songs are? Um my two least favorites were Manic Depression and I th- I think a lot of that was the lyrics. I didn't uh it just didn't flow. You know, the, yeah, the the term I'm, maybe bipolar could have been better. No, no, it's funny you say manic. It's funny we're going to be off on this one because manic depression is probably my third favorite song on All this right. album. Yeah, that could be. Uh, yeah, but let's see. 
Another one that I think was weak was, well, I guess I don't, I don't live today, but uh, let's see, what was the other one? Third Stone from the Sun. I, I enjoyed Third Stone from the Sun, so I'd say that uh, I Don't Live Today would be my other least favorite on there. So what would be your two favorite songs on the album? Oh, the definitely Fire. I, I'll put that as number one, especially understanding the context of it, because listening to that song, it really captures that image of standing next to a roaring fire on a cold day it that song really embodies that and gets that feeling across and then foxy lady i it's a fun song i really enjoy foxy lady that like i said that really showed me that Jimi hendrix for all of his amazing uh guitar work he's uh he can, he can also play it very clean, very clear. That just shows me. He's yeah, got without talent. without the distortion and everything. Yeah. Feedback. It, it, yeah, he's not just about creating a different sound. He's also saying, "I'm a I'm a competent guitarist." Yeah, uh, yeah. definitely a competent one. I mean, yeah. So, what about you? So, on my least favorite, my least favorite songs, Third Stone from the Sun, without a doubt. Not not even a. It, to me, it doesn't belong on the album. It's mm-hmm. the one skipper on the song for me, or I mean, on the album for okay. me. So, and I don't live today. Is probably my second yeah. least favorite song. You know, and th- this is where it becomes tough for my favorite song because I've got songs like Purple Haze and Fire and Foxy Lady, which you hear all the time and I yeah. love them. But I wouldn't put any of them in my top two songs. My top two songs definitely wow. are The Wind Cries Mary and Hey Joe. Wow. And I, I would probably say Hey Joe, but I just hate to rank it number one simply because he didn't write it, but he did kind of rewrite it. Mm-hmm. You know, he made it completely a Jimmy Hendrix song. Yeah. But Wind Cries Mary is probably my favorite song on this album. Mm-hmm. And it has a little bit of meaning to me because I remember it back from my high school years when I had, I think I just had the Jimi Hendrix uh, Greatest Hits compilation and I always loved that song, and I remember reading um, something about it. I don't know if it was on the album or whatnot, is that the reason he said the wind cries Mary is was she was throwing a frying pan at his head, and it went whistling by, and that's where he came up with the name. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but but I had heard that. And the thing I kind of like about that song is, you know, it starts out that it whispers Mary, and then it cries Mary, mm-hmm. then it screams Mary. Yeah, so, it keeps it escalating, right? Yeah, and it, I noticed it, that. it's talking about their you know relationship mm-hmm. and whatever row they were having at the time over the yeah. lumpy potatoes, right? <laughs> and her throwing a frying pan at his head. And, and I'm just remembering that from like 30 years ago. I don't know if that's true. That's just in the back of my mind. I haven't researched it or anything like that. But. Regardless, the message is clear. Don't mess with people that make your food. There you go. (laughs) So as an album, an 11-song album in the U.S., what do you rank this album out of 10? Oh, geez, this is a really good album. Yeah, Um, it's an excellent album. I'm going to go up there with a 9 because there's, like you said, there's probably a couple of songs on here that could be changed out. Which is the case with any album. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever ran into an album that... And I, I think that I probably want his vocals turned up just a little bit more so I can hear better what he's saying. You know, and you, you get a little bit of that in some of the... Of course, we're mm-hmm. listening to an original mix, right? You yeah. get a little more of that on the newer remixes and things like that. You'll probably have the vocals so. brought to the front a little more. There's a little more bass yeah. dialed up. And then, of course, mm-hmm. emphasis put very heavy on guitar, right? Had I listened to those albums, I'd give this a 10. Yeah. The, this is a really solid nine for me. So 
I don't, there's very few albums I rank as a 10, and I don't think this is going to be one of them, but I would rank this a nine easily. And and that's about perfect for me because, you know, I didn't like Third Stone from the Sun. That If they would have left that song off and put on Red House on, because I love yeah. the song Red House by Jimi Hendrix. It's an amazing song on the U.S. album. It would definitely be a nine and a half for me. And I'm not even sure I have any 10 albums. <laughs> You know, we've got all yeah. these albums I've listened to for years, but as we sit down and review them, I really don't know what review I'm going to give them. You know, in some of these we've done in the past, I give them a better ranking than I thought I would, and some I give them a, a worse ranking than I thought I would. So it's kind of interesting. It's kind of the fun thing about this podcast is, though, you know, even you, who is very familiar with these albums, a lot of times when we're reviewing them and listening to them for this time together, it, uh, it, it strikes differently. Yeah, it does. And you know, when I, when I look at out, uh, songs like on this album of purple haze and Foxy lady and those and fire, even mm-hmm. songs that I actually do love and yeah. think they're excellent songs, but I've got to be honest and say, you know, I am kind of tired of hearing some of it on the radio, but when we mm-hmm. sit down and listen to these things, I think, you know, these these are excellent songs. Yeah. You know, there's a reason they're still on the radio. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is some radio play, which is kind of ridiculous because yeah. they're just played because they're popular or whatever. Mm-hmm. But songs that are 50, 60 years old, if they're still on the radio, somebody wants to hear them, right? Yeah. And so something that holds the test of time mm-hmm. like that. And, and so I think Jimmy understood people that he really got into our hearts. Either that or he was just really lucky at finding a new sound. And sometimes mm-hmm. maybe that's all it takes, right? Yeah. And he was just the perfect guy for the time. That might be the first album we were, you know, we were completely off on which songs yeah. we thought were winners and losers. <laughs> and but yet we came back together and gave it the same Yeah, rating. the same review. So yeah. excellent album. I would suggest you go out and listen to it and maybe even give the UK version a try if you can find it. I mean. I think I'm going to. Yeah, it it's. It's an excellent album, and I can't wait till we get to his other albums. I want to see what Foxy Lady sounds like without the E in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he must have a different dialect yeah. or something. Who knows? <laughs> but that's uh, Are You Experienced by the Jimi Hendrix Experience. And so until next time. Go experience, Jimmy. And don't forget to email us at classicvinylpodcast at gmail.com. We'd really like to see what albums you'd like us to review and see what you think of the ones we have reviewed. Give us any suggestions, comments, concerns, and we really appreciate you listening and downloading. Share us with your friends. Yeah, we love getting those emails. Also, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We're uh, on Instagram. We post uh, regularly a bunch of uh, pictures and things about the podcast and about the albums, the uh, artists we're reviewing. So we'd love to hear from you. And until next time, have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Classic Vinyl Podcast for updates and also share us with your music-loving friends. (laughs) 